Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, one more time, says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, it's good uh, to now come before Your Word and submit our lives to You. God, we know that apart from You, apart from Your grace, apart from Your wisdom, apart from Your direction and Your guidance in life, God, we'd be lost. We would be absolutely clueless and unable to find our way out. And so, God, we come to You today seeking Your path, Your guidance, Your direction for our lives and knowing that uh, we are desperate for you in every moment. God, as we, uh, for many of us uh, with kids, uh, start off with a new school year, but for all of us and whatever else this fall may be bringing, God, may we enter into this season trusting in you above all else. Lord, we love you and we need you every moment of every day. In Christ's name, amen. amen. One of my uh, favorite and at the same time least favorite stretches of road is I-40 between Asheville and Knoxville. Anybody driven that road? I think it is beautiful and uh, incredible and nice to be going, you know, 55 to 70 miles an hour through the mountains, as long as you're in a car that can handle that well. When I, I've got family in Kentucky, and so periodically I end up, you know, kind of going that way. And uh, in college, I drove this little two-door uh, car that had stick shift transmission. It wasn't necessarily fast, but it was zippy, and so, you know, 55 to 70 miles an hour through the mountains was a lot of fun. But now, like we did in like June, July, whenever it was, when we go to visit family in Kentucky, we drive this bus of a car that we have to drive with all our kids, and it's not quite as fun uh, going up and down those mountains. I think the Hartsfuls made it with a camper this week, that same drive taking uh, Daniel to, to Knoxville. And um, that is a, it's a beautiful stretch of road. Uh, but it can be, depending on what you're driving, it can be not so fun. Uh, there's another thing that makes that one of my least favorite stretch of roads, or at least the times that I don't like it, and that's the times that I'm not the one driving. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it uh, because I get car sick if I'm not the one driving. And so I've been on that road or other roads like it, uh, even up just going to Camp McCall, it's like a 10 minutes up the mountain. And if I'm not the one driving, like I am sick by the time I get 10 minutes into riding. And uh, honestly, that I-40 has nothing on some of the roads that Alex Cook has drugged me up and down in Mexico on some of our early trips there, trying to figure out the best ways to get places. And uh, we took some terrible roads. And uh, there were moments where, I don't know about you, but you kind of like grip the, the seat in front of you and you got this like dead stare on the road and like whatever version of AC that you can get, you're trying to get, you know, to you. And uh, there's usually two things I want in that moment. I want, number one, I want the car to stop. You know, I want to get out. And just that's the only way to like resettle your stomach. But then you do have to get back and finish it. And so the thing you want is, I just want this road to go straight for a while. Like, please let this road go straight because my stomach can't handle it. I just need a straight path. And I think so many times in life, that's what we desire, right? We desire this straight path. We, we've, we've done the ups and the downs and the curves and the bumps and everything. We, we, we just long for a straight path. Maybe you are, are thinking back over... Uh, you can think back over your life, uh, kind of the ups and downs, the, the, the bumps and bruises and the hardships. And you're like, man, if, if, if back there, if my path would have just been a little bit straighter, it could have been a lot better. 
Uh, or maybe you're looking to what's on the horizon for you. Maybe you got kids going back to school this week, or, or you got other things coming up this fall. Maybe uh, some big decisions you're making, financial things, health issues. You've got all, all kinds of things that are coming up ahead, and you say, hey, whatever else the past has been like, if just as long as the front, you know, what's ahead, as long as this can be a straight path, then, then I'll be okay. Uh, we've had the ups and downs, and now we, we're looking for the straight path. Proverbs 3, five and six, five, verses 5 and 6. Speak to that straight path. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. I hope you'll take the time to memorize those verses. They're a tremendous guide and comfort to our lives and can, leave us, uh, can give us a very wise direction about how we live our life and how we seek out that straight path. The lesson, I think, from these verses is, is pretty straightforward. And it's this, the straightest path in life is the path of trusting the Lord. The straightest path in life. Everybody else will tell you all kinds of different things, but the Bible tells you this very clearly. The straightest path in life is the path of trusting the Lord. If we all desire a straight path, if we all desire for things to be headed in the right direction, then the way to be on that path is trusting the Lord. That's the path we're seeking together this morning, so we, what we seek all throughout life. And so our question is, what, what does that look like? What does it look like to trust in the Lord, or to trust, yeah, to trust the Lord and to have that straight path? And so it's worth asking, when, when Proverbs 3, 6 talks about a straight path, what, what does it mean by a straight path? Because there's always the case, anytime you read the Bible, or I guess anything else pro too, but anytime you read the Bible, we got to be careful. When, when, it, when it says something, does does it mean what we think it means, or are we imposing a meaning upon the passage? Okay, so we ask, what, when, when Proverbs says the straight path, what is it talking about when it talks about a straight path? Maybe what comes to mind when you think of a straight path, and I know I just use the illustration of roads, and so maybe this is where your mind goes. When, when you think of, of a straight path in life, maybe what comes to mind is a, a smooth, easy, comfortable life. You know, maybe you think of uh, uh, the bills are paid and everybody is healthy and, and no one's hurting, no one's grieving, no one's dying. Everybody's got food. Everybody's got shelter. The grass is cut. The kids are in bed and I'm on the couch with my feet propped up eating pie. Like that's the smooth path. That's what you're thinking. If that's what you're thinking, then, then l let me just, you know, kind of point you to the Bible and pick any page and read about the people who lived as God directed them. And you'll find that that path basically doesn't exist in the Bible. Like people who, who were following God didn't have that kind of path. That, that wasn't the life they lived. He, Hebrews 11, we'll see later on this fall, lifts up some of the, the great heroes of the faith. People who trusted in God. And their path was far from straight. Picture Abraham who had to wait decades, decades for the son that God promised him. And then when he got him, was told to go up on a mountain and be willing to sacrifice him. Picture Moses, who spent 40 years of his life in exile, only to then come and do all the things that God asked him to do, and spend 40 more years wandering in a desert. Doesn't look like sitting with your feet up, does it? Picture David, who was anointed by God to be the next king of Israel, only to shortly thereafter have a spear thrown at his head by his boss, King Saul. I think our definition of a straight path sometimes, if our definition is just comfortable, smooth, easy, 
that, that probably doesn't line up quite with what the Bible means by a straight path. We're going to dive into this deeper in just a moment, but from the outset, I didn't want you to get misled into thinking what the Bible describes as a straight path. Simply enough, I think the, the way the Bible describes a straight path is the right path. The right path. The path, the path that God wants you on. We, we may desire a certain kind of path, but by definition, trusting God, if that's what it takes to be on this path, then it's the path that God wants you on. The right path. That's the path that is the straightest. The straightest path in life is the path of trusting the Lord. So no, it might not be the most comfortable, the most laid back, the easiest path, but God's Word clearly tells us this is the straightest, the best path forward. If all we're seeking in this life is the American dream, money, status, beauty, everything to go well and smooth and easy, you, you, can, you may, by, by God's grace, common grace, even to unbelievers sometimes, Things go well, and you can have a, a smooth, easy, wide path, and it lead to destruction. That is not the path we want. If all we're seeking is just smooth and easy in life, then we may waste our lives and throw it away. The path of trusting the Lord is to say, God, whatever you say, wherever you direct my life, I'm in. Whatever you say to do, I'll do it. Whatever the cost, whatever effort is required, I'm in. The straightest path in life is the path of trusting the Lord. So what, is that, what does that look like for us? How do, how do we follow the Lord in that path? I'll give you four descriptions there in your notes from these two verses out of Proverbs 3. And the first one is this, trust in the Lord fully. Trust in the Lord fully. Verse 5 starts, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So not part of your heart, not half of your heart, not 10% of your heart, the entire thing. Not partial, not one day a week. Not one hour a day or one hour a week. Not 15 minutes at the start of every day and 15 minutes at the end of every day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And of course we know the heart here is not talking about that blood pumping organ in your chest. Like we, we use this even in, in our language this way to mean something more than that. Proverbs and all throughout the Bible, when it talks about our heart, it's talking about the seat of our affections and our desires. What we truly care about most in this world. And we say this, if there's a kid maybe out playing a sport or getting ready for a, practicing for a school play or something, and they're just kind of giving it, you know, a half effort, we would say, hey, your heart's not in it. Your heart's not in it. And what we mean is that you're not, you're not passionate about it. You're not, you're not focused. You're not giving it your all. We might say somebody's giving a half-hearted effort. They're not really, they don't really care about it. When he's talking about here, trust in love with all your heart, he said, I'm enthusiastic. I'm passionate for the Lord. I'm seeking whatever the Lord would have for me. If someone's only half-hearted, they're not in it fully. To trust in the Lord with all your heart is to deeply desire Him, to be passionate about Him. When you trust Him with your whole life, with everything you've got, you say, His will is my will. What He wants is what I want. Let me tell you, it's easy to live a spiritual religious-looking life that is far from putting your whole heart and trust in the Lord, isn't it? You, you could come here. You could be here most of the time. You could generally try to be a, a good person. And your heart could be a hundred miles from following God. You, the, the Bible never talks about just, just going through the motions of life, checking off things as if that was somehow pleasing to God. The Bible talks about the desires of your heart. Where is your heart? What do you care about most? Who are you genuinely trusting in? Who are you 
passionate about? Are you following God with all your heart? It, it is easy to treat, sticking with, with kids playing sports, it's easy to treat the Lord like a six-year-old treats baseball. You ever watched a, a toddler or a, you know elementary-age kid play baseball? They get really excited sometimes, like when it's their turn to bat. But stick them out in right field, and what do they do? Ooh, you know, just all distracted all over the place. Sometimes they're in, and sometimes they're out. And that's so many times the picture of what people try, like what they look like when they're following the Lord. They're, they're not all in. They're not, they're not passionate about it. They're just here when, when they want to be. Our heart's not in it. Do you trust the Lord with all your heart? Uh, I asked, I actually didn't double check. I, I saw the, the preview of it, but in, in your bulletin, Lord's printed like that, right? Trust the Lord. Do you, do you notice how that's, how that's printed? Uh, if you are holding any modern translation of the Bible, uh, I think, most of all the ones I've checked, it's print, it prints Lord like this, where capital L and then O-R-D is also capital letters, but they're just shorter. You ever notice this? Last year when we studied Psalms, we pointed this out a handful of times because this is really uh, helpful to notice throughout the Old Testament that any time in Hebrew when the word is used for God's divine name, Yahweh, any time that's used, the way they bring that into English, the Bible translators, is that they print Lord kind of this different looking way. And until you notice it, you don't think about it, but it's all over the Old Testament that Lord is printed like this, capital letters, but small, small print. And so when you read Lord like this, what he's talking about is God's divine name. So he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's talking about the name that was given to Moses at the burning bush. Moses is being sent back to, Israel, back to Egypt to free Israel out from bondage. And he says, when I get there, who should I say sent me? And the Lord says, I am. I am. Yahweh is, a, is a, it's kind of a re-vocalization of the, the verb for, I am, for to be. I am. So when he said, I am, God is saying, I am the Lord over all. I'm the very foundation of the universe. I am the, the fundamental reality itself. I am who I am. God is. There has never been a before God. There will never be an after God. God always has been and always been, will be. There's never a time that God hasn't existed, and there never will be a time that God won't exist. He is eternal and has caused all things to exist. He is who he is. No one and nothing can compare to God. He has no rivals. He has no equals. He is. He is the great I am. He, he's in a whole different league to himself. It's not like he's just a little bit wiser or a little bit stronger than the best of us. He is completely in a league on his own. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh. And so when the Bible calls you to trust in the Lord, this is not just some throwaway word that we just, you know, he's, you know, God, something, whatever. This is Yahweh. This is God himself who is the very foundational reality to the world. He is worthy to be trusted. And that name Yahweh, I think it carries at least, it carries a lot of things, but at least that, this foundational truth of who he is, but it also carries this covenantal relationship because God didn't just create us and go, wow, I'm powerful and you guys are losers and I'm leaving you. No, as he's coming down, he gave that name to Moses as he started and restarted and restarted a relationship with his people. So when we hear Yahweh, when we see the Lord like this, we're thinking, this is incredible, it's amazing how awesome God is. And we're also thinking that same God was gracious enough to build a relationship with us. He came and he gave that name to Moses. And as Moses writes the first five books of the Bible, we see that show up over and over because he loved his people 
and he cared for them. He guided them. He came down on, a, on Mount Sinai by a fire. He led them with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. He directed them and protected them. This is the Lord of all. This is the one he calls you. Of course, put my whole heart. Of course, where else am I going to put my heart? Where else am I going to put my trust than in this Lord? He is the Lord, and he is worthy of all of our trust and all of our affection. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. My father-in-law is uh, Benny Green. He pastors Northbrook Church in Bowling Springs. These are his two favorite verses of all time. So I knew that when I was going to come to this, I had to see, I had to, I was like, hey, I got to see, what'd you preach on this, you know? And so he sent me uh, uh, his sermon, just so, so uh, edifying to my own walk with the Lord this week to read that. And as he talked about this, these verses here, talked about trusting in the Lord with all your heart, talked about how you can go back to the Bible and, and see God's faithfulness time after time after time. We, we don't come to God trying to guess whether or not He's worthy to be trusted. He is the Lord. He's Yahweh. He has proven Himself time and time again. And so my father-in-law used a story. I, I tracked it down. I think he got it from uh, a commentary by Steve Lawson uh, where he tells this story. He said, a man was trying to cross uh, St. Lawrence River in Canada when it was frozen over in the dead of winter. But he was nervous uh, about it being able to hold him. So as he got to the edge of the river, he puts one hand out, you know, to kind of test it, and it holds him. And so he kind of starts gradually going out, and he gets on all fours and just gradually inching, just inch by inch, getting across the river to see if it's going to hold him. And all the while, he, he's shaking, he's getting nervous, you know, that this thing's going to fall. Knowing that if it, you know, once he gets out of certain ways, if it starts going, he's done. Like there's, there's, he's going to freeze and it's not going to be able to make it. And so uh, he gets out right about in the middle and he hears this roar and he thinks the worst has happened. He thinks it's all over. But he looks up and he sees a team of horses that have come onto the river, bolting at him, and they're carrying a wagon full of heavy firewood. And he's sitting there on all fours trembling and this, these horses go all the way by him and across to the other side. And so then he stands up and calmly walks the rest of the way. Because if that river could hold the horses and the firewood, it surely can hold him. When we come to the Lord, we, we don't come to a God who has not proven himself. We don't come to a God that we're like, yeah, maybe, he'll, he, maybe he's good, maybe he's trustworthy. Just, just open your Bibles. This is an incredible Lord, the Yahweh of all the universe, who has cared for his people generation after generation. We come to him and we can stomp on that river with all we want because it's not going to fall. It's not going to fall. He is worthy of our trust. Sometimes we forget that when our challenges get, our circumstances get challenging and they get overwhelming and our, our heads start spinning and we think that this is too big for God. But it never is. It's never too big for God. He will always hold us up. We can trust the Lord fully. And the second part of that is very closely related. Trust the Lord alone. Trust the Lord fully and trust the Lord Alone. Verse 5 continues saying, Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We're called to trust the Lord entirely and trust the Lord exclusively. Trust in the Lord alone. We already said He has no rivals, no competitors, no equals. And yet, when it comes to our day-to-day -day lives, we are far more likely to trust in someone or something else than God. We think, hey, I'm good as long as there's this amount in my bank account. And then I'm good. I've got peace because here's the, thing, here's the thing my trust is in, is in having this number. 
or one day reaching this number, then I'll be good and I'll trust in it. We can come up with all kinds of things. We'll put people in that place. We can say, hey, as long as they're steady, as long as this person's steady, I'm good. And it's good to build relationships. We want to have a trust in all. That's a good thing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, who is our trust in? It's got to be in God. And Proverbs 3, 5 points to the number one competitor in our hearts for that trust. You know who we are most likely to trust in place of God? Ourselves. Lean not on your own understanding. We may all be able to agree that God is bigger and wiser than us. And yet, when the, when the going gets tough, who do we trust? Do we trust what we want and what we think or what God thinks? Many times when, when life doesn't make sense to us, when, when we can't understand it, we get mad. As if the Lord of the universe should be, able to put, should be required to put everything that He does in such a way that you and I could comprehend it. I mean, that's like asking, you know, a PhD in physics to be explain, explain everything he does to my kindergartner, right? But it's a bigger gap. Like, of course, God's going to do things that don't make sense to us. And yet we get so frustrated when our understanding, like, I mean, I could put my whole hands around my head. Of course, it's not all going to fit in here. And yet we get so frustrated when we can't understand it. Lean not on your own understanding. It takes Humility. It takes, really, honestly, supernatural humility to be able to say, God's in control and I am not. It feels so unnatural to so many of us because we think we know best. I've been living for this number of years. I've been, I know how this is supposed to go. And when it doesn't, we get so frustrated. There is a, a disturbing trend in, in, our, in, in 2021 that's been going on, I don't know, at least 10, 15 years, that... that uh, you know, my job's not the secular world. My job's here. So I'm just talking about your faith with God. But I, I see the connection from one to the other. Uh, one author named Tom Nichols uh, called this the death of expertise. And he noticed that we, in, in our world, we don't actually, now we've gotten to the point, we don't trust people who are actually the experts in any given field because we can all Google it, right? And we can, and, you know, I know, doctor, that you went to school for all those years, but I spent an hour on my phone today, and I read this article on Facebook, and so now I know, I know the answer to this, right? And the problem in, in our world is that it's, it's, it, that's grown, right? So now there's, yeah, I can find somebody online who agrees with me, I can, you know, somebody who's some news outlet that agrees with me, and all that kind of thing, and so we say, there's evidence now, and all that's grown. Here, here's the danger in that. The danger is that we think we are the experts in everything. And so we come to God and we say, God, I know, I know, I know, you're God. But, but listen to me this time, God. And we say, here's my understanding. When we come to God, we don't, we don't come to God as the expert. We don't come to God as the one that says, I've got this all figured out. We say, God, I'm submitting to your understanding, your will, your direction for my life. What, what is the source of truth for you? What is the source of reality for you? Is it something you think? Or is it God himself? When it comes to how God created the world and God directs our steps, we submit to His will, and we seek His kingdom. We trust the Lord, and we trust Him alone, all things related to our faith in following Him. I, I like that in these couple lines in verse 5. Lean is used as a synonym for trust. Isn't that a good image? Like you only lean on something you know is going to hold you. I did test this out earlier today. You know, <laughs> you know it's going to hold you, right? You, you, when you lean on somebody, you're, you're saying, I, I, I need you. I need you to be there for me. And so do we lean on God 
Or do we lean our, on our own understanding, like the old trust fall exercise? Who, who do you expect to catch you? Our, our world preaches self-expression, self-determination, individualism, be true to yourself. It's up to you. You decide your reality, right? But the Bible clearly says there is a higher authority to you than, than you and me. Uh, there is a higher authority, and it is God Himself. If, if there's a decision you've got to make, if there's a moral question you're trying to answer, and, and you disagree with God, God's word says one thing, and you say, no, well, this is my way. It, it's not like a, hmm, let's, let's see who wins, right? It is 100% always God. We don't lean on our understanding. If the world says it's okay, but God says it isn't, God wins every single time. This is not, not a toss-up. That, that is a, a challenging thing for us so many times. Many times we just don't know what he says. But even when we know, it's hard to follow it because our, our, our muscles are trained to follow what we want. We live inside of our own heads all the time, right? How much time do we spend in God's Word versus in our heads? And so it's hard to train that muscle of trusting God over ourselves. And verse 6 starts to point us in the, in, the, in the exercise path of how to train that muscle. It says, In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways acknowledge Him. If we're truly searching for the straight path in life of trusting the Lord and aiming to trust the Lord fully and trust the Lord alone, then it comes this way. We have to trust the Lord daily. We have to trust the Lord daily. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. I looked back, the King James uses that word acknowledge, and so many of the uh, modern translations like ESV and NASB uh, keep that word acknowledge. Uh, but some, if you're holding a different translation, it may some, say something different, because the word here used in Hebrew is just the word for to know. It's just the word to know Him. And so uh, I like the one, one commentator, uh, Bruce Waltke, comments on this verse. He's, he translates it this way. He says, in all your ways, experience his presence. The idea is not just because when we use the word acknowledge, it could mean this way. Or we could be like if, if Amber later on today said, hey, did you see uh, Travis Spain at church today? And I said, yeah, I said hey to him on the way in. I, I acknowledged him. Surely what Proverbs is talking about here is more than just saying hey to God on his way in every day, or our way out, or, you know, whatever. Like, we're, when we talk, when it's talking about acknowledge, we're not just, like, mentally kind of aware that he exists. What we're talking, what Proverbs 3, 6 is talking about here is that you have a relationship with him, and you carry that relationship, you practice that relationship all throughout the day. To acknowledge him in all your ways isn't just to kind of tip your hat at the beginning of the day and say, yep, God's here, I'm going to go about and do what I want to do. It's practicing his presence, living in his presence each and every moment of the day. If we're going to truly trust in the Lord, then we have to, one of our favorite words around uh, Infinity Church is abide in Him. Jesus throughout lots of places, but John 15 talks about abiding in Him, this ongoing relationship with the Lord. At a minimum, if we're going to live in daily trust in the Lord, then we've got to spend time with Him, intentional time with Him. If we're not in the Word of God, well, we won't be able to discern His will for, for our lives. We won't be able to see the path that He intends to guide us on. If we're not in regular prayer with Him, devoted prayer with Him, we're not listening to Him, we're not getting our hearts in line with His will for our lives. If we don't have that, we, we, can't, we can't trust Him throughout the day because we don't, we don't know Him. But it's also possible, and I'll tell you this from experience, I can close my Bible and forget about God for a long time. So when God's Word talks about trusting Him in all your ways, acknowledge Him, in all your ways, experiencing Him, it's both in-depth, knowing God and knowing Him through His Word, and carrying Him with you throughout the day. Set a reminder 
Pray to Him at 1 o'clock every day. Do whatever it takes to remember God's presence. Use your mealtime prayers, not just as a throwaway prayer, but to actually remember that the Lord of all the universe has given you the opportunity to know Him by faith. Practice His presence. Live in relationship with Him. Study His Word and don't neglect Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. God has given us the opportunity to, to live in a relationship with Him, and that's the straight path. The straightest path in life is the path of trusting the Lord, and that's a daily walk following Him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has those three commands. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And then it ends with that beautiful promise. And He will make straight your paths. Trust the Lord fully. Trust the Lord alone. And trust the Lord daily. And He will make straight your paths. But as we said at the beginning, His version of straight, a straight path, and our version of a straight path sometimes don't, don't line up. We may look back on, on, on our lives and say, God, I, I, I'm trying to believe Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but I felt like I was trusting you there. I'm not perfect, but I felt like I was trusting you there, and my, the path just didn't go straight. Maybe you're looking back over life and you're saying, God, I, I prayed for healing. I, I, I prayed for this relationship to be mended. I prayed for, for wisdom before I made that decision, and, and I felt like I was following you, and yet I look back, and that path to, to my, my, my eyes, God, looks anything but straight. Maybe you look back and you say, I, God, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how this works. And, and if that's where you are, and I imagine many of us in, to some degree or another can relate to that, I, I, I'm sorry for the pain you're in. We, we've been through that together. We know what that's like. And at the same time, I want you to hear, I, I don't understand it. Like, I, you don't understand it, I understand it, but that's back to the, you know, I only got so much space up here. Of course, we don't understand it. But this is, this is what God's word in Proverbs is trying to tell us. That it's in those moments when the life doesn't seem to be on the straight path that we're required to trust the Lord the most. It's in those hard moments when life doesn't seem to be going on a straight path. That's when we are called on to actually trust Him. In that uh, Bruce Waltke, the commentary I already quoted, he says this about that promise of a straight path. He says, it's best seen from the bird's eye view, not from the worm's eye view. I like that. The God's plan of a straight path is best seen if you're up in the air looking down, not a worm in the ground. Now, I kind of wanted to write in and tell him, you know, like birds don't, I mean, uh, worms don't have eyes, like worm's eye view. But maybe that better proves his point. Like, we can't see sometimes because we're in the dirt and we're living the muck and we're tw twisting and turning. And all along, God is directing our path. Uh, another commentator writes about how this promise of a straight path, straight path, it's a promise of faith, not necessarily of daily looking like the path is going straight. It might not feel straight, but the believer trusts God is in control. God is directing this path. It may not seem straight to us, but we trust from God's perspective it is. Even if we, by our own sin, leave a path, we trust that in His incredibly wise and beyond our comprehension ways, he can use even evil, what man intends for evil, even that God can use for good. And he, for all those who are his, he will make our path straight. We said at the beginning, we've got to be careful to take God's definition of a straight path. So it's worth look, looking elsewhere in the Bible of where it talks about this straight path. Two, two really helpful references come out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40 is famous 
because John the Baptist quotes it about Jesus. And there the prophet uh, speaks of a day coming when every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain should be made low. And similarly, in Isaiah 45, the king, God says about King Cyrus that God will make all his ways level and he shall build the city and shall set the exiles free. So in both those cases, what he's talking about is that God, his path is the path that will accomplish the goals he intends to accomplish. That's the straight path. The straight path is that God will accomplish his goals. What he says he will do, he will accomplish. And so sometimes what doesn't feel very straight to us is actually headed exactly where God wants it to go. So when we read verse 6, when he says, He will make straight your path, don't read that and say, He will give you every earthly comfort and ease and help you to accomplish the American dream before you're 40, right? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, that, and plus, if that was what he was saying, that would be a far lesser promise. We, we don't actually want that. That is a lesser promise than what God is actually making. He's making a much greater promise. Not necessarily a smoother promise or, or easier according to this world's standards, but it is a far greater promise. When he promises us straight path, he's saying we can trust the Lord will take you to where he wants you. Trust the Lord that he will take you to where he wants you. That is the straight path. God is accomplishing his purposes in your life when you are trusting him. He is accomplishing something through you. That Lord we're talking about, Yahweh, over all the universe, He is using you and me for His purposes. There's nothing greater than that. There's, that's way better than sitting with your feet up eating pie at the end of the day, right? You are used in the kingdom of God itself because you're trusting the Lord and following His path. By God's grace, occasionally, we are able to look back over our lives and see the bumps and the valleys, and the hills, and the curves, and the winding. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we can look at those things and we say, I never could have gotten here without that. Right? You, I would think many of us have had that experience. You look back, and you're like, that was awful. And I don't want to do it again. But I never would be here if it weren't for that. You know what that's called? That's a straight path from point A to point B of where God wanted you. When you and I lived through it, it looked like ups and downs, and curves, and winds, and twists and pains and sorrows, but according to God's plan, He moved you from point A to point B just like He wanted you to. That's God's sovereign control. And if we can't trust Him for that, then we, we don't know Him. We don't really know Him. We don't trust that He's good. We don't know that He's in control. We don't trust His power. If we think, God, I'm going to take over now because you messed up back here. Whew. Be careful. God's moving us. If we trust in Him, He's moving us where He wants us, even if sometimes it doesn't look like we want it to. All the time, I think of Romans 9.29, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Let me just, I'll just speak for me. If God's going to make me according to the image of His Son, Jesus, it's going to take some discipline. <laughs> it's going to take some hardships. It's going to take some struggles, because I'm just not naturally going to go there to looking like Jesus. But praise God, He's at work. Praise God, He is on the path moving me from where I am now to being conformed to the image of His Son. I don't want to be on any other path. I don't want to seek any other path. It may be smoother. It may be easier. The bills may be paid. I may have grass. I don't have grass. Maybe get the cut. The, I mean, like, there's all kinds of things that could happen. But if it's not moving me to be more like Jesus, I don't want to be on that path. There is a much better path. I want to be on that straight path 
seeking Him, following Him, trusting Him that He is at work. Chad Spain pointed me to a really good study this week um, on this verse by Kendra Graham, who's married to one of Billy Graham's grandsons. And she writes about how times of trials, uh, that's where you're tested and you're proven. She says, a life of trusting in the Lord and not our own understanding will never become a reality except through conflict. And what she's talking about is hardships, trials. How, how do you know you trust the Lord if nothing hard ever happens? How do you know that you really believe in Him if it's always smooth sailing? God can grow our faith and our trust in Him. And sometimes it takes some really hard roads. But praise God that we trust Him more, that we love Him more, we care about Him. Our whole heart is in Him. That's what we want. Holiness, Christ-likeness, serving God's kingdoms, even if it takes all the ups and downs, we'll take it. We'll take it. Just keep me on your path. If, if I put two people before you, two images, and, and you had to pick the straighter path, who's, who's really on the straight path? I want you to tell me who, who you'd pick. If one guy is living the American dream. He's, got, he, he's getting close to retirement. He's got all the money that he needs. He's got two houses, one here and one on the lake and a boat. And he's got everything great and you know, two kids and five grandkids and, and everything looks smooth. But if you get to know him, he, he doesn't know the Lord. He's kind of arrogant. And so therefore, people kind of don't really love him that much. And it doesn't blow up, you know, so nobody sees it. But on the outside, it looks nice. But he's just, you know, he's not living for the Lord. He's just living for himself. Take that compared to a single mom who... As she was raising her kids, lost, lost her husband at a young, when the kids were at a young age. And for a while, they didn't know if end, the ends were going to meet, but they banded together as a family, and nobody ever made a whole lot of money, but they, they, they just sought the Lord, and they, they loved each other deeply, and even more, they grew up with these, all these kids deeply committed to following Jesus. Which, which family, which, which person, the, 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 the dad or the single mom, which one's on the straight path? And yet, so we, we all know the answer, but so often we're, we're seeking just smooth, easy sailing in life. God has got a much greater promise for you, a much higher promise. Don't seek the lower promise. Trust the Lord above all else and trust Him to make straight your path according to His definition of what it means to be on the straight path. Sometimes the world's definitions of twists and turns are God's definitions of the straight path. Sometimes God uses all the ups and downs to drive a straight path. There's a, a Portuguese proverb that says, uh, God draws straight with crooked lines. I like that. He uses all kinds of curves and all kinds of doodles to put us on the straight path. You know, Jesus himself trusted the Heavenly Father with all his heart. And you know what happened to him? He was killed on a cross, he was crucified. Let me tell you, from the world standards, that's about the exact opposite of a straight path. That looks like a mountain in the way of the straight path that you had to go around. And, you know, you know what, and yet, you know what that cross was? That cross was the straightest path to our salvation. God's version of a straight path doesn't always line up with what the world tells you the straight path is. But it is far better, far better, and much, much more desirable. If we fully and completely rely on the Lord over anyone or anything else, especially ourselves, and we daily, hourly live in relationship with God, then God will keep us on the path to accomplish His will, His beautiful, holy goal for our lives. That's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is about. Do you trust the Lord? Do you have a supernatural peace in the hardest situations? Can you focus more on Him on his character, on his nature, on who he is, 
than on yourself and on the things of this earth? Do you know him better and better daily? Are you following him? Are you seeking him? Are you trying to run off of his path for your life? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Maybe today you, you're, you've wandered from that path and you say, ah, I need to get back. And I need Jesus to bring me back and put me, plant me and hold me on that path. Or maybe you've never been on that path. Maybe you, you don't know what it means to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. Today, the opportunity, the, the, the invitation, as it is throughout all the Bible, is to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Because I'm, I'm begging you, pleading, telling you that the straightest path in life is the path of trusting the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are humbled when we come before your word and recognize how, fall, how far short we fall when it comes to trusting you above all else. God, we confess that as foolish as it sounds, even as we say it, we trust ourselves far more than we trust you. So Lord, we plead that you would be at work, that you would guide our hearts to give up the false idols that we trust in and instead to trust in you above all things. Lord, we know that when it comes to our own uh, desires and preferences, we seek the things of the world instead of seeking your path for our lives. So God, help us to repent, help us to turn away from our sins, and help us to trust in you. Father, thank you for sending your son who perfectly trusted in you and was willing to pay the penalty we deserve to, pay, to die, deserve to pay in our death. And so God, thank you that by his incredible sacrifice and by the the power of His resurrection. God, we now can be forgiven of our sins and we can walk in the newness of life with You. Lord, we pray that You'll bless uh, these moments as we open our hearts to You and ask for You to be at work, that we would once and for all trust in You. Lord, we need You. And we depend on You today. In Jesus' name, amen.